0: M S W media Hi, I'm Frances Callier. And I'm Angela V. Shelton. And we are Frangela, and welcome to The Final Word! The Final Word with Frangela! The final The final word. 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 That was that was really exciting. We have a very <laughs> exciting podcast for you this week, mostly because of the globe. I'll get to that. We have a particular glow on us at the moment. I mean, I mean, you can not only can you see it for, probably from where you are, you can smell it too. <laughs> I'm sure you can smell it, and I'm sure you can feel it. <laughs> If you lick whatever device you're listening to this on right now, you'll taste You'll taste it. That's it's right, delicious. Let me tell you, it's delicious. We're okay. a full sensory we- experience up in here. Absolutely. Welcome to the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network and those of you who are listening on MSW Media, both fantastic progressive uh, outlets that are here to join our forces and create a community for change and social justice. So thank you and welcome thank you so much and speaking of thank you we want to send expressive thanks full thanks to everyone who is supporting us through patreon this black-owned woman business is thriving let me tell you we are living our best black girl magic lives because of you And by that, she means paying for some basic bills that keep us from being homeless. And <laughs> That's we want right. to say what I mean. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for that. And for those of you who can, who maybe aren't on um, Patreon people yet, but you find yourself with a little, like a couple few extra bucks every month, we would absolutely appreciate it. It is how we keep uh, our business going. It is how we keep being able to do this podcast and, you know, exist. So if you go to Patreon and look us up, thank you. And our way of saying thank you to you is, is what, what do we do? Well. I believe that we we create, thank you, in the form of three micro idiots a week. Did you say three? I said three, Francis. three. <laughs> three. Four, three. <laughs> One, not two, but three. That means three separate idiot stories. If you become a Patreon right now, there are hundreds of them. Yeah. Bad. You will hey. never I'm going to tell you something. Every time somebody starts to talk to you about some mess you don't want to hear, you could put in an idiot. Totally. Okay. Totally. And as I have said before, it's the best, the best self-care that you can be doing. Laughing, exploding all of those wonderful chemicals in your brain uplifting yourself. Right. humor. Humor is just a just a just Good a feeling. couple of clicks away. Good feeling. feelings. <laughs> Apparently, every vehicle in your neighborhood is going backwards right now. Yeah, I mean, every, uh, and they're all in front of my house. <laughs> they're all in front of my apartment, backing up and dumping garbage in the middle of the uh, fucking street. <laughs> Jay, we move the day. And this is what's exciting also about the podcast. This week, we're out, we're releasing on a new day. Yes. So uh, we're releasing, this podcast is coming out for the first time on Friday. Tax Day, which fortunate for for me, I don't know about the rest of you, but um, and Monday will be the new idiot of the week. Yes, so. And that's how it's going to be. So you have some time in between. You can listen to both. And we hope that makes it easier for people to catch both podcasts. So that's starting. Yes, 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 yes. And please join us every Friday morning for the third hour of the Stephanie Miller Show, where we have uh, Fridays with Frantla, or (laughs) it's called the Black Power Hour. What happens, Angela? That is where the Black powers unite. And they, they create a crystalline beam that changes Stephanie Miller into Stephanie Ooh. Mills. And Ooh. somewhere, Stephanie Mills becomes Stephanie Miller and inexplicably finds herself riding a bicycle next to Bob Seska. And she deals <laughs> with it because it's saucy. And it's saucy. It is saucy. Oh, okay. So, I as Angela was saying, you can, I mean, number but trucks outside. I mean, I can't I like, I understand <laughs> no much big. how 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 much, how far can they back now? and here's my question i'm sorry you guys have to deal with this really quickly why is it now for years they stop in front of my place what i really understand is that the reason that we weren't recording at your place was the trash day which was tuesday so how is it the first time we moved to thursday now it's thursday yeah you can't tell me that's not about us it's about us and i know it i know it okay so you smelled the glory you can feel it wafting off of us because we just concluded a most ph- phenomenal phone call with the vice president of the united fucking states of america kamala we, harris the bitch in this country <laughs> oh, come- they had us all muted because <laughs> I, when she got on the line let me tell you something I was in a closet because I don't trust these ragamuffin dogs of mine to not be barking crazy <laughs> and I did not hear I did not need the vice president to hear me say y'all shut the fuck up I'm talking to Pablo." So, in a closet fully dressed in case they you know in makeup and everything in case they suddenly let us see her or, or see us like, I screamed the minute she starts when she's like, "Hey, how's everybody this morning?" I was like, "Ah!" <laughs> um, <laughs> guys, and we cannot tell you how grateful and excited we were to be invited to be on this call. It was a very small call, actually. There were not very a lot small. Of people on it. No. It's other women and um, people of women of color in broadcasting in various places, like from Blavity and other sites, yes. and podcasts, and um, we got to ask questions because it is Black maternal health week and um the vice president oh every time i say it it feels good don't it feel good can we just say that this is why inclusion is important this is why there's a yes. number of reasons for it oh. number one number one let me tell you how invigorating it is and it yes. should be for all of us but most especially for women and women of color just to see that sister being like it is it is powerful can i just say this to you too angela really quickly it was beautiful it was beautiful to see the person that we believed in and voted for in that office in this position doing things that matter to people who look like us that matter and taking it seriously it's not yes. you know it's not just this you know and in no way is this a demean charities important groups like the united negro college fund like the uncf but i think that we you know a lot of our discussion around issues of, of inclusion and diversity in these communities being serviced all communities getting services um often get lost in sort of, sort of these pat sort of this is what we do and it was just amazing because um vice president harris she really you know really is the exact right person to have be the first time and i i was so proud to hear this that it was the first time in white house history that the um the, the cabinet had been brought together for this issue yes and, and by a vice president for and and this is why representation matters because she is a black woman yes. and and, and, and she's able to say look from we all know and, and maybe we don't all know but one of the people who asked a question brought up Serena Williams and how wealth and access don't get you out of the inherent systemic problems we have in this country around racism and sexism, particularly in medicine. Yes. And how many services people of color, particularly women of color, um, who are by the way, three times more likely to die in childbirth than white women. And as native women, native American women are two times more likely and rural women are one and a half times more likely than urban non-rural white women in this country to die during childbirth. But our our mother mortality and infant mortality rates are abysmal and embarrassing. Yes, yes. and so she discussed uh, talking about taking Medicaid from two months, uh, being being paid for two months to 12 months. That from is postpartum care. From, post, postpartum. from postpartum care, which is amazing. Uh, and shout out to Michigan for being the yes. first state to do it. Yes. I didn't know that 20%. I know that. No, I didn't know that 20% of homeless women are pregnant. There are 20% of the homeless population of women on the streets right now are pregnant. I can't even I imagine. Did she said five, five to 20, five yeah. to 20%, because I think that's a hard number for them to like, yeah. actually. So between five and twenty percent, but either way, like, And that's That's... why it's so important that this was a cabinet meeting because she had the, the HUD director, Martha Fudge, you know, the secretary of HUD housing and urban development was there. And you go, what could this person do? And, and, and the vice President did an excellent job of talking about tying in this issue to all of these departments, all of these, all of these very important governmental agencies from the VA, you know, and looking into PTSD. And if you are a and and she makes such a, an excellent point about even navigating information. Trying to get to the information that is out there is unnecessarily difficult. And if you are, let's say, a homeless or living in, you know, state-funded housing in some or, way, and, um, and we have homeless vets on the street. to say that, that you are a vet and you are, you know, a woman and you are pregnant, should you really have to go to every single separate website? to get the information you need on the care that is available to you and I and you know talk about streamlining that and actually doing the research getting the actual numbers and data so that we're not talking about these issues from an anecdotal point of view we have the actual data because the data is the thing you can't deny. Yes. And also what I really appreciate, what I really appreciated that she talked about is that not, not after the fact of collecting the data, making sure that there is a person, there are people who are culturally competent to be able to, to be able to, uh, take that data and look at it because I'm going to tell you, the reason why we're in the we have the issues and the mortality rates that we have amongst women of color right now is that we don't we have white doctors who don't believe in our pain thresholds or they believe that we have a pain threshold that is higher than other women or other people or that black people are coming in seek drug seeking all kinds of other biases so then you can't necessarily even even after you take the data you have to have somebody who has a sensitivity to the data. Who can read the data, who want, who care about the people who the data is about to be able to even read it. Right. And the and the idea that that the support you know trying to, to, to find you know my sister was able to use a doula for her pregnancy and when the vice president harris brought up doulas and integrating them into the system and getting information about them and having them be covered and having them you know having that that resource be available to more women because one of the big things, and it's just, it's so amazing to sit there and talk to this woman who is the first African-American vice president, the first woman vice president, the first woman of color vice president, the first woman of two two amazing heritages, you know, all of the first that she is. And what is she up there talking about is the fact that we have to advocate for ourselves. And that is yeah. very hard to do. It's hard to do when you're me and you're privileged in a number of ways. It is extremely hard to do if you're coming at this with less access for a number of different reasons, with less information if you're young. If, if you don't have Wi Fi, shit. Exactly. And it's just so to be able to talk about, they talked about a new program called Birthing Friendly, which is sort of like the home, this home seal of a good housekeeping seal of approval idea that the hospitals and other sort of clinics will be evaluated for whether or not they are birthing friendly. And that, and that means that they will have to meet certain standards of care. And, but in order to know that, we have to get the data. And so one of the things the vice president brought up is any hospital that a lot of hospitals don't collect the data they don't care. Yeah. So they're not, nobody's making them. They don't care. Maybe they do care and they don't know they're not collecting it, but they're not collecting the data. We don't know what happens when they set, you know, when uh, a woman of color who may be homeless comes in and they're pregnant and either gets or doesn't get services. We don't have that. We don't have that information. So getting these different, um, you know, uh, organizations within the government and outside of the government to work together to get this information. And then the things that we can do And we weren't able to ask this question, but we're going to follow up with her, her comms people and ask about things we can do to amplify places where what people can get this information. Because if there's one thing I know, it is extremely hard to advocate for yourself, especially in medical situations, especially when you are the sick person. Yeah. You need someone else. I believe everyone needs someone else in that room who knows you, cares about you and isn't The person directly getting the care. Let me. This is what I will will say. This being having had a a child, you know, there was a time when you know, as a village, women had midwives. You know, we had a community. You had a community, and but there are so many women on every inch of the class scale who are isolated. And if you and if you are isolated and you're the only person that you really kind of can talk to is uh, your doctor, Uh, for example, me, my mother was dying of cancer when I was pregnant, my mother in law died unexpectedly, and we weren't quite you know and doulas were just 16 years ago, were kind of this thing that rich women did it's very earthy crunchy rich it's, 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 a, know, it's a wealthy like... woman experience and so but but the reality is is that that should be an experience that all women should have access to you know it made a huge difference for my sister she talked about how that doula really got her through absolutely labor and, the do- and having so- the, the doctor can't do that for you you know, your medical frankly, doctor, they don't respond to us that in the no. same way, you know, um, and, and to have somebody in that position, have Vice President Harris be able to talk about because I've never heard anybody in government say it this way. Say it's not just about sending money to different you know, groups or organizations or, or, you know, it's not just about even the data. But what it is about is treating treating women with dignity. You know, and, and to hear her talk about how important it was to treat the whole person, to treat the whole woman and to do so with dignity, because that is, we don't get that. When I no. tell you, you know, the, the, as someone, how many times I have to be, make it clear that I've never been pregnant. Like the, the, there's just so many areas where you, like I had a, a, a doctor who's known me for years. I've been on me- a medication for 16 years that the pharmacy made a mistake on. And then I got treated like I was a drug addict. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like they were like, like, well, why do you, you shouldn't have run out of this medication. I'm like, you didn't give me the right amount. No. They're like, oh, that's not possible. I'm like, I've been on this same dose for 16 years. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like why did this week I decided I was gonna lose it? Like, yeah. it just, and so it's, it's, you know, and I, it just felt, it was amazing to have somebody talk about in very real terms, concrete programming, and concrete goals to change what is quite seriously the, uh, a really shameful situation yep. for a so-called developed nation. Yep. Um, how dare we look down on other nations with how we treat each other? C- culturally competent is like my new favorite phrase. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I was we were able to capture some uh, audio from our call. So let's take a little bit of a listen right now.
1: Invitation from me join us in San Francisco next week um, it and it's going to be a, i think we're confirming the day but likely to be Thursday um, so that is some of the work but in meeting with the cabinet officials you know for example Secretary Marsha Fudge was there and one of the big issues you're asking well, what's the connection between maternal health and HUD the Housing and Urban Development Agency well Five to 20% of young homeless women are pregnant. So think about what that means in terms of, again, looking at the whole human being when we are talking about this issue and consider an issue like housing, affordable housing, um, housing security, right? Um, We are looking at it in terms of the fact that, I, I will say as a base point, um, when you're looking at trauma, there's so much trauma in society in general in terms of undiagnosed and untreated. And then when you add to that the fact that you know poverty is trauma-inducing, um, and then when you consider, for example, um, populations that are, or for the circumstances in terms of the work that they do, more likely to have been exposed to trauma, let, such as our veterans, um, let us study the impact of trauma on a pregnant woman or or on a woman who is likely to actually conceive and and carry to term of birth. And so the VA at our convening has agreed that they are going to continue looking at this issue but investing in research to consider the effect of post-traumatic stress disorder on pregnancy and taking that into account in the context of what will be the particular needs of that woman. And um, and what I find exciting about that is that for a long time, we have, of course, recognized post-traumatic stress disorder in our veterans population, but then thinking about the subset of that population, which is pregnant women, and then considering how the research that the, the VA will and can do will actually carry over to women in other sectors who have experienced Trauma. Um, the Department of Defense was, of course, they are part of the cabinet and presented about some of the actually model work, national model work that they are doing around telehealth. And so we have talked about the unique challenges facing military women. Right? For example, military women—they they move a lot. They um, they are often abroad, and what that presents as particular challenges for that population. And interestingly enough, in both those um, groups, we are looking at, for example, they're doing um, lactation support for pregnant women, um, which is a real model of what we should be doing across uh, sectors in terms of putting the resources in place for women based on their needs. Um, The Department of Labor, Well, one of the big areas of focus for me has always been when I look at bias in the system and how we need to to better train people who are in the healthcare delivery system, Um, let's think about who's going to do the training. Well, on this issue, a group of really highly skilled professionals who are so well-situated to train people in the system are doulas. Doulas are... You know, predominantly women, but they are the skilled professionals that many women who need an advocate go to to help them through the course of their pregnancy, through the course of childbirth, and after. And so I'm looking at this population of, of skilled workers, not only to think about what are we doing to make sure they have adequate insurance and that we are paying them appropriately for Medicaid and other channels, but also, let's look at the dula, the, the, the population of doulas as a workforce issue, and what are the protections for this workforce in the system. And for that reason, um, Secretary Marty Walsh has really stepped up to think about and through the Department of Labor to 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 explore what are the protections that are currently available for doulas um, in a way that we may not have pulled out to be able to educate and inform those. Professionals about what is available to them in terms of protections for them as workers. So this is some of the um, the work that is happening. Uh, we have announced our birthing friendly designation. Really excited about that, and I can talk more about that as we begin the conversation. Um, and also the work that we are doing to increase the funding that should go into research of pregnant women. Uh, I had the head of NIH, the National Institutes of Health, at the, at the meeting yesterday, the cabinet meeting, um, to encourage them to do more research on pregnant women and, um, and to also be clear about who is conducting the research so it is culturally competent. And then the other piece of that, which sadly we don't think about enough, is not only who is collecting the data but ensuring that who analyzes the data is also culturally competent. Because of course, we can collect data. The, the culture of the community and the, the particular language of a community, the, the resulting opinions are probably flawed. So um, this is some of the work that we have, been, we have been doing. I am convinced that bringing this issue to this level, using the bully pulpit that, frankly, I, I'm, I'm fully aware that I have and that we have, um, will have generational impact in terms of the women and the children and their families that I think will, be, um, will benefit from this approach. And there's no way that it can happen effectively without women knowing their rights, um, knowing that they should not be left to suffer alone or silently and that we want to ensure um, that women are heard so with that um, why don't we start a conversation if anyone has a question please use the raise hand function i know i see a few of you will give it a second for them to queue in use the raise hand function thank you your advice yeah no you're right you know i um i brought a group of women into the white house months ago who you know, sadly, a number of them had lost a child or had a very difficult and complicated pregnancy um, that was avoidable had she been taken seriously in the system. And one of the things that I talked with them about is, is that we have to continue, those of us who are, who are who appreciate the magnitude of this issue, we have to, and this is why you guys doing this call today is so important. From my perspective, um, we have to get the word out to remind women to require, meaning that they're not going to stop talking about it until they're heard, and to not feel like they have to um, they have to be silent. That, that and, and basically let them know that we give them the power and the permission to refuse to be silent, and that that if these people who work in in the clinic or the hospital or the emergency room? If they're doing their job, they will listen. And so it is not on the women um, to to get to get you know to, to be the ones to have to to cower down. They the, the, they should be they have to talk about what their experience is. There, and then the, these medical professionals are supposed to be in the, in the process of listening. And so one of it is just, it's what we talk about over and over again with women, right? Know your power, own that power, do not be silent, do, do not silently suffer. And the other piece of this is through this level of public information and engagement and communication, highlighting the fact that when a woman is having this experience, she's not alone. There are a lot of other women having this experience. Sadly, especially when it comes to women's bodies and reproductive health and reproductive care, um, you know, and it, it could be a function of culture or, or demographic or age, women sometimes feel they, they they should be very quiet about their needs, right? Women feel that, um, or maybe the, the, they, they feel that they are being judged if they talk about things in connection with their sexuality or their reproductive health, Right. And so part of what we want to do as, you know, if you'll, you know, if you'll receive this hopefully as I intended, as, you know, sisters in this, right, is we will remind them that you, you, be your, you be your full self (laughs) and, and it is on that. It is not, it is not you. It is them that has to listen and respect and understand and, um, And I just think that that's really important to to continue to communicate. And the more we can elevate this issue, I think the more we will accomplish that, Um, which is to let women know that when it comes to their reproductive health, when it comes to um, their pregnancy and, and anything that they are experiencing in connection with that, they do not have to suffer. And they certainly must not silently suffer because there is a whole system that has been designed to help them and so let's hold the system accountable to do its job our final question goes to among these topics that are clearly such a
0: personal priority for you as you mentioned the centers for medicare and medicaid services are
1: a new birthing-friendly label to hospitals that meet those standards for maternal health. I was wondering if you could speak to what some of those standards are and how they were selected. Uh, I'm very excited about So why shouldn't we have a similar approach? Hospitals Are you friendly to women who are giving birth? <laughs> right? And so that women and their families and people who love them can look it up and say, "Okay, um, let's see where you you you're going for your care. Right, have they been designated as actually um, a, a place that we know will be friendly to you? Um, to, with, with that, right? And so it's a new concept that we are implementing and the process of implementing." And we're in the process there. We want to make sure that when we create the criteria, that it takes into account how women are experiencing this system right now, right? So we want to get feedback. We want to get the voices of women who who are going through the system. We want to get the, the, the voices of midwives, and doulas, and doctors, and hospitals themselves, right? Timeline, and so we're going to actually we anticipate rolling it out in the fall of 2023, and um, and and what I can tell you though is that hospitals are going to be graded, and, and judged, evaluated on things like are they reporting maternal care outcomes, um, and, and 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 whether or not they've implemented measures to address complications um, with pregnancy, right? Um, hemorrhaging, sepsis. Things like that. And I'll tell you that when I convened the cabinet, a lot of the the emphasis or have the ability to collect a great amount of data. And so let's do that because it gets back to the earlier point about women silently suffering. We know anecdotally, we know from talking um, to, to, to women generations before us much less each other, that this is an issue, right? But instead of having to require women to prove it, the data will prove it, right? So let's collect the data. So this becomes a a non-debatable point, which is that the outcomes are not where they should be. This is the experience that women are having, and therefore it needs to be solved. And And any possibility of debate on whether it's an issue, it's an issue, and so let's deal with it. And for that reason, for example, I've also asked, that, you know, on on the piece about Medicaid ending for postpartum coverage after two months and we we are pushing states to to extend it to 12 months, I'm asking that we also collect data on, hey, so for those women who Medicaid dropped after two months, what were their remaining needs? Like, do we know? Do we know what they actually then did not get that they needed? Because that should actually be known so that we can understand and address what the failure might be and what the gap in services must be, right? Um, are we collecting data and information, therefore, on what, where are they going? What's available to women after they're dropped from Medicaid after two months, right? Um, and so this is part of, of the specifically that things like implicit bias in the system, that it's real, it's there, and so let's immediately get on that piece. Let's also collect data that before now has not been collected to really document clearly what is going on in the system and where the gaps are, where the failures are, because, you know, by the way, everyone on this call, I, I do believe that the, the solutions are not going to be that complicated. Um, but but it is a matter of highlighting the issue and, and helping people see what they are seeing um, and what, what women around the country are experiencing um, and being a, a powerful voice to that so that when we talk about it more, when we give voice to it more, those women who right now are walking into a clinic or a hospital right now as we are having this conversation, they will have heard through everything they read and everything that you speak, everything that you write, they will know, hey, I'm not the only one having this experience and I know what my rights are. I, have, I know what I have a right to expect and, and that I have a right to expect that this system does better. And so that as much as anything is, is at the heart of what this is, which is about empowering those voices and, um, and, and, you know, and doing it in a number of ways. That includes, for example, I'll give you another example, um, redesigning government websites, right? So um, another, Shalanda Young, the director of, of the Office of Management and Budget, who is the first black woman to ever have been appointed to that very powerful position, right? It's about the federal budget. Um, what she was talking about in the cabinet meeting she being a member of the cabinet was let's look at the fact that we, we got all these websites but if you're a pregnant woman okay and you're living in public housing, and you're a veteran okay so just like think about this you're a veteran living in public housing um, a, maybe relying on Medicaid, right, and you just kind of go through all of the categories, well, should we have to require that woman to then go on all those websites to figure out what's available to her? How about if we think about constructing the system? So, yo, if you're a pregnant woman, go to this website. <laughs> and then on that website, all that is available to you, not only in terms of your rights, but your what, what is available to you in terms of health and, and help, will be readily obvious and available so that you can actually navigate the system. Because that is another part of this, which is informing women of what is actually available for them and making sure they're informed about that. Again, so not only do they not suffer silently, but that they don't suffer needlessly. Thank you everyone so much for joining. That concludes the call for today. Thank you all. Take care. Thank you again.
0: That was our wonderful, incredible vice president of the United States, Kamala Harris, that, as we said, we had the wonderful opportunity to be included in a a topic that she is clearly and we are, too, very passionate about because, you know, we're women. And, And, you know, what's beautiful in the in the call, Angela, is when she said, you know, we're all sisters. I hope I can say that. We're all sisters. And I was like, oh, it just, it touched me so deeply. Yep. We have to support each other. And we we have have to support, especially those of us who can't, who are finding it difficult or impossible to, to speak for ourselves. We're in situations that are precarious, they're dangerous, you know, and I've, I can't tell you, we all know. And I was so appreciative of Vice President Harris saying, you know, we can all tell anecdotal stories. We can all tell. That's right. um, It's a little redundant, but we can all tell those stories. But the reality is there's data here. We can get these numbers. And that that is the thing that when we put it in front of people's faces and we can say, this is what happens to women of color, to rural women, to native women in this country um, when they are pregnant, you know, they that it's we it's. It's absolutely necessary. And at this level of government, it is amazing. And watch this space, as Al would say. <laughs> yeah, like, because we're very excited about it. It was a really great opportunity. And we hope to be able to tell you more about where you can find all this information very soon. We'll be right back after these messages. I'm former FBI Assistant Director Frank Figluzzi. Join me on a journey deep inside the world's premier law enforcement agency to decode the mysteries and challenges of today's FBI. The threats facing America are as real as the men and women who battle to protect us. In this first of a kind podcast, we sit down with active duty FBI personnel who reveal their mission, their cases and their lives. Let's go inside the Bureau with Frank Figluzzi. Welcome back. We could not let the sun go down on another day without talking no. about Jared Kushner getting two billion dollars from of Saudi investment money. He received two billion dollars investment from Saudi Arabia's sovereign uh, sovereign wealth fund, with an expected annual management fees of twenty five million dollars. Kushner's firm. Hey, of- so- mm-hmm. So does that mean what it, I think it means? Does that mean that not only did his firm get the two billion dollars, but they will be receiving another 25 million every year for managing the two billion money? $2 yes. Billion dollars? Yes. That's his because that's his, my eyes. That's his pocket change. See, this is my this is my problem. The headline is my problem, friends. It says Jared Kushner gets $2 dollars Saudi investment drawing. Hunter Biden comparisons. There are no Hunter Biden comparisons to this. <laughs> unless you got two billion is- comparisons to draw up against Jarrett's two billion oh dollars. Are you fucking kidding me? That is like saying what we what we get on Patreon is is about was what Oprah makes. It's like it's, <laughs> like it's the most insane comparison in the world. I'm like, are you fucking kidding? I am so sick. I bless Eric Ballart, rest in peace, because I am so sick of this this tit for tat as if that's so-called objectivity. Yeah. It's nowhere near. It's nowhere near. It's and- not it's not even close to being what this is, which is first of all, Heiner Biden has never been in the government. He's never had a position in his father's or any other person's administration, no. like Jared Kushner and Ivanka. Yeah, and and what really like chaps my fucking hide about it is is that this is a fucking killer, a murdering motherfucker. MSB murdered Khashoggi and got away with it. Dismembered. Dismembered, and our and government let him do it for how much, Angela? Two billion dollars. $2 billion. That didn't go to us. Just a Jared, just to Jared, just Jared. was I mean? Understand? We 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 making nothing of it. But that's it is the most disgusting. It and the Brookings Institute institution fellow Norm Eisen, he um said plain out. This is his quote about it. This is corruption. I'd like to thank him for his pithiness <laughs> because that's what it is, it's just the idea. That They go on in this article to talk about um, Hunter Biden pursued a wide variety of business deals, none of which are anywhere like this um, during his dad's vice presidency and afterward before turning to anonymous sales of his novice artworks. Now, that that phrase is to make you say, he's not really an artist, and nobody would buy his artwork if it wasn't for uh, who his father is, which I have to go, you know what? I'm going to tell you, I have a really strong feeling that whoever wrote this article, isn't actually an art critic and has no actual background for which to say that. Yep. But the point of it is these comparisons are not accurate. Also, also, you know what, even just to go back to the art for a moment, he sold his art for $375,000, not $2 billion, not to a murderer, not to enemies, not for political gain. It's just, you know, it, it, it drives me insane to even no, put they their try- names in the same fucking I'm article. Saying. And then they go on to talk about how his deals are shrouded in secrecy. Shrouded in secrecy or is he not just a private citizen? Like, this is the deal. He is a private citizen. He's not been elected to anything, nor has he been hired by his administration, his father's administration or President Obama's administration. So, shrouded in secrecy or is his business? Like, yes. I'm just saying that the, the twist around this, and in no way... Of course, we all know it matters who you're related to. Yeah. We all know that. That's in every industry. Because let me tell you who isn't talented, who we have to deal with all the time. Okay. The children of others, of stars. So yeah. let, let me tell you that lover, 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 Miley Cyrus, but there was no Miley Cyrus without a Billy Ray. That's right. That wouldn't she, she wouldn't couldn't even talk and, and you know what? And and her and, and her co-star wouldn't even been on there because uh because of she an Osmith too. Yeah, she a sister. <laughs> so the reality is not we all know I'm and no I suggest it, but to to take every single thing this man has done under the under the microscope of or put it under this labeling of because it's all because of this. Is, you know, whatever, unnecessary, but also this this need to, when you're writing about the $2 million is enough. That's a really solid article on its own. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, you don't need to go, oh, and they do it too, because they don't do it too. No, they don't. They don't. It didn't happen. Hunter Biden has not been accused of selling anything to anyone who murdered an, um, somebody who was a, a resident of this country or any other that I'm aware of. I don't, it's just the most ridiculous. Yeah, his dad met the people he knows, and he's met the people his dad knows. He's the, it, I don't know what they're complaining about when I look at this last administration, Trump being allowed to, He never had to divest from anything. That's right. You know, and and just sort of let his sons run things. And we all know that all they were saying is we get all our money from Russia. They're yep. saying it. Yep. So it's just I'm so fucking sick of it. And I I just think this two billion dollars. I mean, if that alone, alone, come on, man. alone, alone. What does and, it take and- to get this family held accountable for? anything yep stop being afraid of these people next up tennessee lawmaker praises hitler's work work ethic in speech about homeless people now if you haven't seen this you should really watch it you should watch it because you know i was reading the article but then i was i wasn't gonna go i wasn't gonna click on it but when i watched it i literally put my hand over my mouth and thought I should go smoke weed. Cuz these no, people have taken it, it out of me. They took it, it. Does that, that just too. took it out of me. Okay. Thing is- I started looking for Mel Brooks in the room or something. I was like, what am I what's happening? Like cause and you do, you feel like you're having some kind of mini stroke. Because you're I like did. there's no way this is happening. That's what I and thought. And then you rewind it and you go, Oh, this is that's for real. No, that's a real that's a real representative of government. I don't, so people I don't voted know. for him. And his ideas, Tennessee Republican wants the state's unhoused population to draw inspiration from Adolf Hitler. And we are not kidding. While debating, while debating a bill that would criminalize homeless camps on public property in the state, Senator Frank Nicely decided to share with the chamber, quote, a little history lesson on homelessness, y'all. Get ready with your notebooks. You're going to want to take notes. That lesson, Hitler apparently was homeless for a spell. He says, but then he pulled himself up by his bootstraps and went on to lead a life that got him in the history books. Yes, this motherfucker went there like that. Um, let's, do the full, let's do the full quote. to read read I want I want to give you a little lesson on homelessness. In 1910, Hitler decided to live on the streets for a while. Now, decided to? Thank you. Um, So for two years, Hitler lived on the streets and practiced his oratory and his body language and how to, quote, connect with the masses. (laughs) Then went on to lead a life that got him in the history books. So a lot of these people, it's not a dead end. They can come out of these homeless camps and have a productive life, or in Hitler's case, a very unproductive life. I support this bill. What the fuck? This is the man who's also, by the way, apparently known for opposing making cockfighting a felony because it's, quote, a cultural tradition. I, 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 I just... just... <laughs> and you know I love words. You do. You love words. It's, it's a hobby of mine to look up words. When, <laughs> when, when I'm upset, when I'm very upset about things, one of the things I do is I try to find the perfect word to express the feeling I'm having. Yeah. Because it's, it, it, it's soothing, and I and I, and I enjoy language. And I read this and this, I was like, I don't know what he's doing with words here, but he's hurting them. He's, I mean, he's and, hurting them. But you know what? what, what I'm going to tell you, when I looked at him talk about this, I go, this is a person who idolizes Hitler. Man. Well, yeah. yeah. Reads his, and, and, and then it's sitting here trying to draw uh, and create inspirational comparisons for homeless unhoused, unhomed people through Hitler? Are we using Hitler to inspire? He, didn't, he did not let homelessness stop him from being the absolute most evil thing to ever happen on this planet. He didn't let homelessness stop him from murdering, from genocide. Millions, millions, millions of, of people. people here. He went on, let me tell you, you know about him now, don't you? He is the most wackadoodle, Look, <laughs> I, I am all done. We need to um, take a serious look at this kind of things I'm putting in. And I'm, I am for one person, one vote, and no, no representational bullshit, no electoral college, all of that. But I do think we need to start asking ourselves as a country if we're going to require some minimal level of competency to even run for office. And I mean the ability to, number one, maybe pass a citizenship test. Number two, some sort of psychological exam to make sure you're not completely insane. Something. I completely agree with you because I don't know what the fuck, but whatever birds are living inside of that nest on top of Marsha Blackburn's head, girl, oh my god. girl, oh my god, I got to, you got to send in a search party. These people are crazy. These people are insane, and they keep being pre- presented to us as if they this, these these are this is these are sane choices. It's it's going to be, and it already is, of course, but the i am gonna tell you something when you have me longing for missing the days of of maybe a republican candidate simply darkening the the skin tone of a criminal that they're using to scare white people into voting for them Mm -hmm. those were the good old days of racism in politics where people felt the need to try to 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 hide it a little to try to use the quote-unquote dog whistle they are straight up genocidal maniacs and proud of it now yep Yes, they are. Are. I, and I do not, and I cannot be okay. If you know any Republicans who really seriously are conservatives and they aren't, they don't like this stuff, but they don't like these people. They don't like these candidates, but they could never vote for a Democrat. I need you to talk to them about how this is not, this is a binary choice. This is evil versus good period. These people are awful. Every and they're, they are, they <laughs> awful. are awful. The ledge, and that, my friends, is our final word. And now it's time for emails. Emails, come and go get your emails. That was that was energetic. We want to thank you for writing us at frangela08 at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. Yeah, our first email is from a lovely, lovely man who we've adored for many years, Ryan S. Hey, Ryan and Francis and Angela listening to this recent idiot of the week, I realized I finally had figured out why there was a brief number of years, but a vast ocean between your experiences. Is it possible that there was a blip-like event like in the Avengers (laughs) movie? Did Thanos snap and cause Francis to grow up in some sort of before time that Angela missed completely? Call me crazy, but I think I've got it. Lots of love to you both, Ryan in Toronto. Ryan? It's the first, it's the first, the first idea that makes sense to me. Yes, I think I got Thanos. I got blipped, or some, or Angela got blipped and missed it, or something. Because was it, we, was it last week or the week before with the animals and the and the thing? Yeah, it was the week before. Frances, tell them what if, if you missed it. What, Frances? You were trying to say what? Oh, but when you would go to the fair, when I would go to the fair when I was a kid, right? You go, you know, the little pop-up fairs, they always had, like, if, you know, you 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 throw three rings on the bottles and they would give you as a prize, like a fish or a toad inside of like a glass case and water, but there was no way to feed it. It was incredibly inhumane, but they were like, they were like treats like, and were, gifts. They were like not sewn into, but they were, you couldn't open the thing. You couldn't, you couldn't open them, but they would be alive <laughs> until they weren't anymore. <laughs> Now, I, I am not, I never witnessed this. And it's, again, Princess is only technically a few years older than me, but she, the Thanos years, I don't, I don't know. I, this let me ask you this. Were the black people required to sit in a different area at these fairs? <laughs> no, no. But this is what David G. wrote us. He said, hey, ladies. Okay, normally I'm here to stick up for Angela as a fellow soldier in the war against the evil killer Spider Cabal. But today- I need to come to Francis's aid. I'm 43, and I remember quite well live fish and small frogs sealed inside of keychains. You don't see them anymore. Because, yeah, because of course they are incredibly inhumane, as these poor animals aren't able to get food or fresh oxygen and die inside their plastic prisons. Prisons. Uh, they were commonly found at state fairs, carnivals, as prizes you could win. David, Alabama. Absolutely. Absolutely. I- Okay, when you add Alabama, basically <laughs> makes a lot more possible for me because you grew up on the west side of Chicago. I did. So I've always been confused by these very country time lemonade differences <laughs> of yours, from the vegetable cart man to the fair. But what you have to remember too, and and you know, and I think and I'm not kidding. I think that Chicago, like my family, was very southern, and they came up. You know, went to come up to work in the in the mills, but the, it's Chicago's really southern. <laughs> come up to work in the mills. I'm sorry, you're so <laughs> old. I Don't understand. And I'm old, okay? But I do not where yeah. this comes from. My my people it's moved up to me. moved up from like Alabama, yeah, Georgia. They- Louisiana. Where the jobs so were where, where the jobs were jobs. Color Why color to the mill. For the colored folks. colored folks. That's right. That's who I mean, we are. I really don't even know what to say. Um, thank you, David, because I, it is one of the things I was telling this doctor I've been working with about whether or not Francis needs some kind of treatment. <laughs> and... <laughs> And you just saved her from a a round of something. I appreciate um, it. I appreciate so, so it. Everybody, thank you, thank you, thank you for uh <laughs> for that information. I don't understand it at all. I mean, if anybody else has heard of this, please write us because I just it's crazy. Yeah. Next up, this is from Eleanor. Thank you. She, as you, we all know, we lost Eric Bowler a week or two ago, a week ago and so. A a little over a week yeah and it was so just jarring and upsetting for the, our entire community and eleanor wrote to us about it and she wrote a a, a lengthy letter that you know she talks about him and I, we just want to read some excerpts from it she says eric who i did not know except through his stephanie segments and tweets revealed himself to be a man of good character serious-minded earnest in his belief of demo, uh, democratic ideals and the greater good. In this, he reminds me most of Mike Royko, the famed newspaper columnist who took on the Chicago machine, but also some national issues. Both men spoke truth to power, the ironic twist being that while Royko used his platform in the steadfast assumption that his paper and the press acted as a voice of the people, Bolard was tasked with telling his selfsame media that they are neglecting their civic duty Eric did this with a plum and with an indefatigable, dif- say it for me, indefatigable. Thank you. Spirit that was both admirable and inspirational. Thank you, Eleanor. And we, I um, was a little shocked by it, mm-hmm. to be honest. Um, so it's very hard. And I know it's been a really hard week for Stephanie Miller, um, for Mama, um, mm-hmm. using Eric and Jamie, her dog, um, one of her dogs, a oh, very sweet to the young dog. So thank you very much for acknowledging that, Illinois. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Thank you so much. And now it's time for resistance wrap-up. This is where we give you an actionable item. And in addition to calling your your representatives uh, in the Senate and in Congress at 202-224-3121 to let them know what they need to be doing we wanted to um, alert you, to if you haven't already heard of this, uh, this activity or action or attempt to help some folks, um, Kareen, um, why am I losing her last name now? Kareen Sky, um, she is a birth educator, a student doctor, an advocate, and she is among um, a bunch of students, African, uh, African students, who were in Ukraine studying, um, trying to get out an um, encounter and you may have seen there's been some some coverage of it that they're due to our old friend favorite racism um these student, these people in particular um uh, mm-hmm. people of color are having a hard time getting out of ukraine and that there's actually a significant student population there are people who came there to get higher education so uh i went to if you follow her on twitter you can go to at Corrine sky that's k-o-r-r-i-n-e-s-k-y um and she started this group i believe she started it uh, it's the A-I-U-E-F, which is the... It's like African Students... I'm lo- I've lost it. Now, Africans in Ukraine Education Fund. Yes. So they're trying to... She's trying to raise money to help the those the African students who are there not only get out, but to be able to continue their education. Which is beautiful. Um, and And I will tell you right now, you have the exciting opportunity to bring this fund up from 0%. Yes. So if you have anything... You can donate or any way you can promote this and try to help people because right now she's got 12 supporters. She has been on a, on a few national programs and I um, would really hope that sh- that it would get more attention than this because these stories are particularly disturbing right now. This is something that we, we need to look at. And if you look at her Twitter feed, I think it's really important. She brings up a lot of important things. She has a quote here from just today. My question is, are Ukrainian asylum seekers getting shipped to Rwanda as well? Or, they, you know, it's, there's a there's a lot, there, this is another part of the Ukrainian conflict that, that I think deserves a lot more attention than it's getting, but it's a way that you can be of assistance yes. right now. And so if you can, or if, even if just by promoting it, that, that, Because I think if more people knew about it, we could get this up from zero. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I'm Frances Callier. I'm Angela V. Shelton. We are Frangela. Thank you so much for listening to The Final Word.